one, we're, we're pretty adamant about one of us is going to win. And over the course of this event, all right, there may or may not have been a little bit of ribbing each other, just, just a smidgen, a little bit of trash talk. And, and Shanda made a comment about a study that she had read about, uh, about the power of our words and, and how uh, when we encourage one another, we tend to perform better. And I kind of, you know, I filed that away, right? And I uh, thought, well, man, that's, you know, there's, there's probably something to that. Well, last week, or I, I don't know if you've had somebody show up at your house yet with a jar of jelly. If not, I promise, they're coming, all right? You're going to have somebody show up, all right? Well, on my route uh, last week, I stopped by the Stogsdills, and I talked to Brianna Stogsdill. Brianna is one of my, my one of, I don't know, I've got lots of favorite students, so I've got to be careful how I phrase things. One of my favorite students in 212, uh, really enjoy spending time with her, getting to know her, seeing her grow uh, in her relationship with Christ, and she was sharing her story, right? So she's doing cross-country this year. Uh, middle schooler, just starting out, so this is kind of her first year doing cross-country, and she had told me the week before that the meet that they were get, going to uh, the week before I showed up was at St. James, and St. James was a particularly challenging course because it had lots and lots of hills, you know, so I tried to encourage her, you know, it's going to be okay, but what happened earlier in that week was their, uh, the, the, the coach and the team had made a deal with each other, a pact. Look, if we see each other, we're going to give nothing but encouraging words to one another, all right? And here's what's crazy. So they, they set in motion to do this thing, but what happened is all the other teams were doing the same thing. So over the course of this particularly grueling uh, cross-country course, everybody is just encouraging, hey, you're doing a good job, keep going, that sort of thing. And here's what happened. On the hardest course, right, in the, in the district area, everybody turned in their very best times, Across the board, that is the power of the tongue. When we use it right, right? But can we use our tongues the wrong way? And they hold just as much power. And that's kind of what we're going to look at today, James. So if you're there, we're going to be in James chapter 3, and we'll just get started right here in the Scriptures. This is what James says. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, 
We curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. James 3, 1 through 12. So you kind of get the broad picture, and, and already, I hope as you were reading that, you're, you're thinking through some things in your head, and you're like, all right, well, this is one of those days where it's going to apply. Don't have to dig real deep to find application in our personal life as we read through this scripture. This is going to speak right into each and every person here's life. And James starts us out, James 3, 1, he says, Teachers, teachers, so not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Uh, as a church was forming, there was this hunger to be teachers, right? People were excited. They wanted to be teachers. They wanted to, uh, t- not, not because they were, uh, had such great wisdom and they, they wanted to share or they knew a lot about the, the scriptures or had a great love for people and wanted to expound the, the scriptures to them, but because they just wanted the title. They wanted to be recognized. So there was like a flock of people, man. They wanted to be a teacher. And, and James says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Not many of you should become teachers because we will be held with greater strictness. And shouldn't it be so? Because, I mean, we can all talk, right? Everybody can talk. Everybody's got words. Everybody can have thoughts. Uh, You know, we look at the scriptures, so everybody can have thoughts about what things mean. But when you're the teacher, when you're the, the, the person that's standing up in front of everybody, everything you say has a little bit bigger impact, right? Uh, we can all think of people in our lives, teachers that influenced us. And, and what they said, especially when we were younger, man, they can have a profound impact on us. They can, I mean, those teachers can sculpt our whole lives. And it's just that you have, when you're the authority figure, when you're the teacher, what you say, positive or negative, has a bigger impact. And for that, we, the teachers will be judged stricter. And he says, hey, don't, don't be in a rush to be the teacher. You don't want that responsibility. James is trying to look out for us. He goes on, and he talks about the perfect man. Ladies, you want the perfect man? For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So real quick. I'm not going to ask the ladies. I'm going to ask the guys. Go ahead. Uh, don't rush. I'm sure I'll hear a whiff of wind. Go ahead and raise your hand if you're the perfect man. I've seen that, Norman. You thought about it. <laughs> All right. There was one perfect man. That was Jesus. Outside of that, we all fail, right? Every person in this room, are we perfect in the way that we use our word? And that's what, Paul's, or what James is really getting at here. That is the barometer, right? You want to know how far you are, how sanctified you are, how well you're doing in your walk? Take a real honest assessment of your words. How do you communicate with other people? That's what he's, if, if, if you're perfect, your words will be the final, that's the final, it's such a, it's so deep ingrained. We'll get into some other scriptures here later on, but it's such a deep and powerful representation of what is going on inside of our hearts is how we speak to one another. And he gives us three illustrations. Now, the first two illustrations I'm going to breeze through. The, th- the third illustration we're going to look at a little bit deeper. The first illustration is a horse. You guys know about horses, right? 
You put this bridle on them, they got this bit in their mouths. And if you, if you pull on this side, well, the horse is going to go to the left. You pull on this side, the horse is going to go to the right. You pull on them both, hopefully the horse, if it's well-behaved, will slow down. All right? But that bit, how big is that bit? That bit's like the size of my thumb. It's just little bitty piece of metal that's in this horse's mouth. And with that tiny, tiny little piece of metal, this beast that, that, that has way more power than any of us in this room has is in perfect control when it's well-trained. He goes on further. He talks about a rudder on a ship. You guys, seen a, you guys familiar with boats? Familiar with ships? Like it's this, I got this picture up here, just a little bitty rudder. Maybe that's a little bit far-fetched for you, but we can look at a plane. All, all of you are familiar with plane wings. You see that little bitty flap? That's like the rudder. I mean, when you see the size of that plane, all right, and understand that that little bitty flap right there is responsible for all the lift and changes the elevation. That, that, that thing has a ton of responsibility in how that plane falls. This tiny little piece of metal is literally, your life is in the hands of that piece of metal. That piece of metal comes off there, blows off, you're in big, big trouble. All right, if the, if the storm's raging on the sea and that rudder comes off, you are in huge, huge trouble. All right, this is, this is catastrophic. You're flipping over, it's over with. All right, your, your tongue has that kind of power is what James is saying. And then he goes on and he gives us an illustration that's a little more important. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Now, you and I in this room, you know, if you've been watching the news, you know something about fires this year, right? We've had uh, a pretty big deal out there on the West Coast with the wildfires this year. This has been a pretty extreme year. Uh, a lot of Northern California is burning up. Everywhere, Oregon, Washington, I mean, there's fires everywhere. Uh, and yes, that happens every year, but this has been a, a particularly difficult year uh, in that regard. Uh, and you want to talk about a little spark? This is a little spark. You guys see these now? I do not have permission, all right, from the, the manufacturer of this device. So uh, please forgive me if you're watching Micro Smoke Producers. All right, this little thing right here is a little bitty device, all right, has a tiny spark, creates this smoke, and these folks were going to use this device to say, hey, we're having a girl, or hey, we're having a boy. It was a gender reveal thing. You guys, you guys done that? We've, we've done the gender reveal thing a couple times. And that's all this was. Just a, just a silly little smoke bomb, right? I mean, you want to talk about a small spark. This is not a huge firework. This isn't even like a lighter. Like this, the, the heat produced by this thing is very minimal. And here's what this tiny little, little spark produced. This is the stats on the, the El Dorado fire. It started September 5th. In that time since then, it has burned approximately 22,744 acres off this tiny little spark out of a smoke bomb. All right? Damage estimates are over $8 million. Ten structures have been destroyed, six more damaged, and 12 non-fatal injuries and a death of a firefighter. Firefighter died trying to take care of this fire from this, this tiny little spark. So I just want you to survey the destruction here. Now, I don't know about you. When I read 22,744 acres, I am not a rancher in Texas or Oklahoma where I've got an understanding of 22,000 acres. No clue what that looks like. So I did a little, little computing, and this will give you some perspective. The, the, the city of Union is 5,798 acres. 
So that is roughly 3.9 times, almost four times the size of Union has been destroyed by one fire started by one, I mean, you, again, if you guys have used fireworks and you know them little uh, you know, smoke bombs you get, I mean, uh, I don't know, we love fireworks in my house. We, I've, I've loved fireworks since I was a kid. I like big fireworks, all intense and stuff like that. And the smoke bomb is pretty much like the wimpiest of all possible fireworks. All right, and, and here we get this smoke bomb, this tiny little spark, this tiny little, little bit of heat, and it destroys four times the size of Union, just from our mouths, just from our, our, our words. These, these tiny parts. He goes on, it stains the whole body, James says. Our tongue is capable of staining the whole body. In other words, no matter what else you got going on in life, no matter how good you're doing and whatever, your mouth has the potential to stain your entire life, to stain the way people look at you, to stain your relationships, to stain your walk with Christ as far as our words can get us in trouble. All right? And, and it really lines up. I mean, it's one thing to say James says it, but let's look at what Jesus has to say about words because Jesus has something to say. This is what he says. Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. So here's Jesus, he's saying, look, our food, what you eat, that can't, I mean, it's, it, it's, not, it's not really going to do anything to you. Uh, in that sense, you know, there's a little subscript underneath that passage that says he declared all food great, which is good if you like bacon like I do. That's awesome, all food's clean. All right, yeah, right? It's a big deal. But what comes out of our mouth? How do we talk to one another? He says that is a barometer of what's going on inside of your heart. He goes on further. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Again, the words of Jesus. And you, you, you get an idea. James, here's, here's Jesus' brother. Listen to Jesus a few times. And he picks up on this. He, he recognizes exactly what's going on here. And he recognizes, man, what's going on in here comes out right here. How are you communicating with one another? And he finishes it up. No man can. And I think this is important to, to, to catch. He says, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So it's, it's funny. He uses the same... Uh, a setup as we see in Genesis when he talks about uh, God gives us a command to take uh, ownership over the world, to, 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 to basically administrate over these animals. Uh, he uses the same, the same look, every, the, the, every kind of beast, every bird, the reptiles, the sea creatures. And what he's saying is we rule over them. Not that we've tamed them all. Nobody's got a pet shark. I mean, oh, there's probably, I guess there's some people that have aquariums, but, you know, no, nobody's got like, that isn't it. But who rules this earth? Who controls this earth? When's the last time any of you were threatened by a dinosaur? 
if you've, I don't know, if you've been to a Barney convention years ago, maybe <laughs> you're freaked out. I don't know. Like, we, we rule this earth, all right? We have authority. <laughs> authority. We have subdued it underneath us. But uh, we can subdue animals. Uh, there's trained bears and circuses, trained lions. I mean, you wouldn't just want to go wrestle one just, just out of the woods, but you understand that we, we subdued them. We can even train them. We can tame them. We could keep them as a pet, but no man, not even one man, has the power to tame the tongue. Which puts us in a weird spot, right? Because that's, that's what God's word says. And if, if we're all thinking about this and we're all, you know, we've kind of listened to the fire, I'm hoping by now you're kind of starting to, to, to catch a, a few pictures of, of maybe some instances in your life where, man, I said the wrong thing. And I've seen the hurt that that caused. I've seen the scars in that relationship. It could be 20 years later. Some of us still, I mean, we have scars from childhood, right? Where somebody said the wrong thing. You guys have those? Am I the only one? Some of us have said it. Some of, we've, we've all experienced it to one degree or another. We can all find ourselves in here. And, and I hope we could find ourselves in the positive, but we can also find ourselves, uh, unfortunately, more often than we like, in the negative. Because the truth is, no man, no man can tame the tongue. James continues, and he goes to point on more problems with our tongue. We've got more, more problems, more problems than even a fire. With it, we bless our Lord and our Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. We're double-minded. Have you ran into that? Have you been inconsistent with your words? Have you ever had that happen? Am I the only one that's ever, ever, ever said one thing one time and said another the other time? And, man, I could say that I've got good intent, but, I mean, I've messed it up. Looking at it, if I'm just being honest, I've not been perfect in my life. I, I struggle with taming my tongue. Matter of fact, James, I love it. I love James because, man, I'd, I'd really start feeling terrible if I didn't notice the fact that James says, we, we, we. James isn't throwing rocks. Here's James, the brother of Jesus. He's seen a few things, right? <laughs> Could you imagine growing up in that home? He's actually seen it done right. The only per I mean, his family, that's the only, only brother that looked up to his big brother and, and, and saw it done right every single time. And James is aware of his shortcomings as he talks through it. Four times he says we in this passage. Because it's we. It's you. It's me. It's we. We're all in this together. Uh, I think this guy, uh, Ken Graves, I love hearing him preach. And he talks about when he was a kid, uh, when he was first kind of getting into the ministry or whatever, he went down to the south. And there was this, this uh, preacher that he spent a lot of time under. And he's called, he said, man, he was just a simple, powerful preacher. And he used these simple, powerful illustrations. And one of the ones that he uses, and he uses it quite frequently, and I've always laughed at it because I thought, man, I get that, is fellowship. You know what fellows, fellowship is? Fellows are, are, are two fellows in the same ship. Real, real, I know you got to dig deep there. We have fellowship in this, you and I, every person in this room. Look around. These are your brothers and sisters, and we're all on the same ship. We're all going to struggle with this. We all have 
these struggles. So, what do we do? I mean, what's, what's the idea here? So, I mean, if the fire gets out, so we understand, if the spark starts a forest fire and can destroy thousands and thousands of acres, our words can get out of hand and can destroy thousands and thousands of acres. But here's the other thing I want you to pay attention to. A spark can start a fire inside a fireplace. And you know what that fire does, man? It provides light. It keeps you warm. You ever just see a fire and just like smile, a campfire? I, I mean, I just love the smell of the wood. and, the, and You just sit around the fire and, and, and warm your hands in the cool and just feel good. The spark can cause incredible destruction. But the spark can bring joy. It can bring life. It can bring encouragement. It can bring love. It can show love. We, so so it's, it's a double-edged sword. All right? Scripture has a lot to say about how we should speak. Yeah, we, we, I think we can all get how we should not speak, right? I, I don't think we have to, to delve too far, but this is what it says. James, James starts us out. James chapter 1, verse 19. He says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let everyone be quick to hear and slow to speak. To not be in a rush to speak. It's not a race. Uh, my grandma used to say motor mouth. Uh, I, you ever, you ever, or machine gun mouth. You ever, you, ever, you ever said so many words so fast that you really don't know what you said? Or ever had somebody do that to you where you can't even respond because it's just overwhelming? James says, no, don't be slow to speak. When we disconnect from what we're saying, it's really easy to say the wrong thing. Uh, I would be willing to bet that if I took a poll, every single person in this room can think of an instance where somebody had talked to them in that manner and you carry a scar from that. I mean, you can pull the nails out of the fence post. This is an illustration my wife gave me a long time ago. I just thought it was good. You can pull a nail out of a fence post. The fence post would be just fine, but man, it's got a little scar there where that nail was. Our words leave a mark. All right? Be slow to speak, James says. Then Paul writes in Colossians 4, 6, Let your speech always be gracious, Seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Gracious. We, we should be able to be gracious, right? Jesus was gracious with me. I mean, uh, again, fellowship, we're all in that same boat. We're, we're struggling with taming our tongue. What, as far as that goes, if no human being can tame the tongue, what is the first step, right? It's to understand that I can't. Maybe you're looking at yourself and you're saying, man, I'm really falling short in this area. What can I do? You can't do anything except ask God to help you do that. But you have to be humble enough to say, oh, this is a problem. I recognize this problem and I need help. Because no human can tame the tongue, but Jesus Christ could. He did it and he can do it for you. He can help you. Be perfect? No. Get better? Yes. Sanctification is a process, and it's, 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 it's progress. Uh, put another way, you're either growing or you're dying. All right? If you're in Christ, you're growing. He's making us more. He's conforming us more and more to his image. In this area in words, it's the same thing. He can grow us. Are you going to stumble? Sure. But you can get back up as Christ empowers you to do that. The other thing, I in this one, you know, so yes, be gracious. Season with salt. I thought a lot about salt this week. 
You know, we've talked about salt before. Salt was a preservative in the, in the, in the old culture. Uh, that's what they used to, to preserve the meat, to preserve your family, to preserve those people around you. In other words, I'm going to use my words in a way that benefits them. It's, it's a preservative. But what else is salt good for? Flavor, right? Salt makes things taste good. Love salt. High blood pressure says I have to use less of it, but <laughs> I love salt. All right? I love it. It tastes great. So when I'm talking, man, if salt makes things taste great, maybe, maybe even if I have to talk in an area that's going to be conflict, right? You know what I'm saying? You, you know you're going to have to uh, address my kids, or I'm going to have to address that person at work, or whatever it is. All right, there's situations of conflict. Husbands and wives, we're going to lots of practice to do this, all right? Lots of, lots of opportunities to work on this. Can I, can I present things in a way that tastes better? Can I season it with a little bit of salt? I can say the same thing in 10 different ways. And literally, it's the exact same meaning. But how I say it is going to have a massive, massive uh, effect on what the results of that conversation are. Can I be kind? Can I be gracious and loving as I approach that subject? Can I, can I add a little salt to it? And you know what else is great about salt? I don't know. I, it made me think about ribs. You guys like ribs? I love ribs. It's, that's like the highlight. I like smoking ribs. They're delicious. Uh, they just fall off the bone and the fat melts and it's gooey like butter. Oh, it's so good. Ribs are awesome. Absolutely love them. And you know what's good about ribs? I mean, you put the salt. You can put salt on ribs and season them. You know, whatever, 10 minutes before you smoke them. That's fine. You can, you can do that, and it'll, it'll taste good. But you know what really, really makes the ribs taste good? Is if you do that the night before, like 12 hours before, and you rub that dry rub on there real good and pack all that stuff in there, and you throw it in the fridge, and you leave it overnight. And man, when you go to smoke those the next day, it's a whole different experience. They, it brings it out. You and I can take our time. So you're going to talk in conflict? Well, let's, let's be gracious. Let's season our words with salt. And hey, you, you really want to season them with salt? Let's not be in a hurry to do it. Why don't, we, why don't we give that a little bit of time? Let's pray and ask God to help us through that. We can, we can season our words and spend a little bit of time letting them marinate before we actually approach something. And I find that that will be a much more helpful avenue than if we just, because when you, it, it, it's not going to turn out the way you want. It just never does, never does goes on, Paul goes on, Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Again, let's not use our words to hurt one another. It's super easy to do. We can do it on accident. I'm not even saying you have to have malicious intent. We can just say the wrong thing. It's very, very easy to say the wrong thing. Uh, I love Proverbs, um, which lines up. It, 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 James really does. He gets a lot. And one of the, the things that it says is, uh, even the fool is considered wise when he closes his mouth. Even the fool is considered wise then. And I think of how many times in my life where man, Sean, you'd have been better off if you had just kept your mouth shut. Oh, yeah. Huh. There's, we, we have lots of opportunities. I, I would dare say that the world could go with a lot more silence. We are in such a big hurry to share what we think or say passionately with our feelings and, and to really 
burn some bridges in the process. Like I said, everybody here, I guarantee if I closed, asked you all to close your eyes, which I won't because Gene's already going to nod off. Uh, he's back there smiling. I see you smiling through that mask. Uh, we could all picture somebody right now. Maybe it's from your childhood. Maybe it's from work. A relationship. We can picture somebody right now. See their face. You can remember that day. You can smell the smells and feel the sunshine. You can remember when you said the wrong thing and when things changed. Every person in this room can remember once. Proverbs 12:18 says this. There is one whose words or whose rash words are like sword thrust. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. We can bring healing with our word. Again, the fire can destroy. The fire could be beautiful. There are times to be silent, but there are plenty of times for us to speak and be encouraging. You know, my wife was talking about that survey, right, that, uh, that she had read. Well, I did some research to find out how many, what the, the I, I didn't even know. This is like an exact science. Like, people have really interested. I, I mean, not just Christians. I'm talking the secular world is interested. So secular, I'm talking Harvard Business Review uh, did a, a survey. Uh, they looked through all these different companies. They looked through all these different healthy companies that, that, were, that were doing well and, and these other ones that were not doing well. And this is what they have discovered. And, and it's unilateral. It goes across. They did some research on marriages. They did some research in other areas. And this is the number they've come up to. You should hear or you should say 5.6 positive things to a negative. That's how much more weight a negative thing that we have to say bears on somebody that we, in order to, to balance that out and, and for people to be healthy and have a trusting built relationship, 5.6, some of them went as high as 7, but the average was 5.6 positive things to negative things. How are you doing on that? How am I doing on that? How are we doing on Facebook? All right. I want you to think about it. If, if, if there's one challenge that I could get you, and you could be like, oh, Sean, what do you mean? i got to keep track? Try it once. Try it for a day. Get you, you, you could download a little clicker on your phone. You can get one of those little, little counters. Try it once. See where you're at. See where your ratio is at. Raise it up a little bit. Because 5.6 to 1, that is where we're supposed to be health-wise. That is using our tongues to be wise, to bring healing in the lives of others. And you'd be amazed. If you can tell somebody the five things, you know, if every time I criticized somebody or I gave them an idea that maybe they could improve on, I had given them five things that they're doing great, how much more open are they in that moment? How much more open are you? If I tell you five things that you're doing amazing on and one thing that, man, hey, maybe this area could use a little bit more. Can I help you, you know, get some work in that area? And just present it that simple, that, that, that clean, that nice. How much more likely are you to take that, that on? How much more influence can you have on the people in your life? Your kids, your spouses, if you take that on. James 1, 2, and 6. I just want to leave you with this thought. Again, it comes back to that. There's lots of times to be quiet. If anyone thinks he is religious... And does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart. 
this person's religion is worthless. So how important are our words? Well, according to James, I'd say that's pretty important, wouldn't you? So I just want to challenge you guys this week. Think about that ratio. I want you to think about the way you talk. If, you, if it's just in your head, think about the way you're communicating to everybody in your life. 5.6 to 1. We have such an awesome opportunity. We have a task. As far as that goes, I want you guys to think about this. You and I are called to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ in this world. You call yourselves a Christian. You've given your hearts to Christ. That is your calling. That is your identity. You don't have to wander around. Hey, what am I meant to do? What's the answer to life? No, no. This is your answer. All right, you are a representative of Jesus Christ. You're going out in the world to proclaim him. Now, if Jesus is so loving, if he's so gracious, if they can hammer nails through his hands on the cross and he can look down and say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. You want to talk about gracious? All right, then you and I can be called to be gracious. And as we're gracious in our words with other people, we're gracious in our relationships, we're gracious with our children, we're gracious with the people that work with us, we're gracious in the market, we're gracious at church, we are exhibiting Jesus Christ's character for the world to see in a very profound way because you guys know I don't, I, I, it would be dumb for me to spend any time on, on how far we've gotten off track and how easy it is to find examples of how we've gotten this wrong. Again, just pop off Facebook. I double dog dare you. All right? So how much bolder when we get this right, how much do we stand out as Christians? How much do we point to a living God that makes a difference in the hearts of his people? Because out of the abundance of their heart, there come their words. It is my prayer for each and every person in this room that your heart would be filled with Christ. Your identity would be rooted in Christ. And your words that overflow from your heart would be because Jesus Christ has touched your heart and he has been so gracious to you. He looked down and he said, Father, forgive them. He did that for you. He did that for me. We can be gracious. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Um, first of all, thank you for your example, your perfect example. Lord, thank you for, for your little brother, James, and the example you gave him and the way that he explained it, the way he lays it out, and how easy it is. This is, this is so easy. There's, there's deep things in Scripture that are so hard to understand, but this one, this is easy. This is so elementary, but it is so hard, Lord. And we need your help, Lord. I pray that you would empower each and every person in this room to tame their tongues. Lord, that you would help us to use our mouths in a way that builds into people genuinely. Genuinely. And when, and when we can't do that, help us to realize that and to just, to just be quiet. To seek you and to let it go. Help us, Lord. Help us to use our words in a way that points others to you and to your power in our hearts. It's in Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen.